In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. Welcome to Hello Somebody, a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia, where we rage against the machine, where we raise our voices against injustice and stand up for justice, where we embrace hope and joy with an optimism for a brighter, more just future. Each week, I'll be dropping knowledge, whether it's a solo episode from me or a hearty discussion with esteemed guests doing great things in spaces and places of politics, entertainment, social justice, and beyond. We get real, baby. I mean, really real. We get honest. We get up close and personal for you. Yes, you. Because everybody is somebody. Before we begin, I want to give a special shout out to my team. Thank you, Sim. Tiffany, Sam, and the team over at Good Juju Studios, Erica England, Pepper Chambers, the hot one, and my social media team. Well, y'all, as promised, I have the one and only Bria Baker back with us as an activist, writer, freedom fighter, and self-care advocate. Bria can definitely add light and love to any conversation, and we are about to jump right into it. Y'all remember that song, Jump, Jump, Jump to It? I won't even try to sing, because y'all won't <laughs> love me like you, like you do if I sing. <laughs> welcome, welcome back to the show. Thank you for being back with us on Hello Somebody, Bria. We are so happy to have you, and with everything that's happening in our lives, I know that you are a solid, excited advocate for self-care. So let's go ahead. Let's jump into it. Let's talk yes. about it. Thank you so much for having me back. And this is the best conversation to be having right now because there's a lot going on in the world and we really do have to take care of ourselves. So yeah, we do. thank you for having this convo. No, I'm glad it's very timely. And I know you will drop some nuggets that I need as well. So this is selfish. Then let me just put that out there. This show is selfish. Self-care. <laughs> got to be a little selfish. A yes, we it's are. Just, just people get to listen in on it. So I want to yes. center our conversation with uh, Audrey Lord. You know, she's a feminist mm-hmm. and a civil rights leader. And uh, one of her quotes reads as follows, self-care is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Where does that take you, Bria? Mm-hmm. I love that so much because yes, when we say self-care, I think people hear the self and think it is selfish, which honestly is not a bad thing to be selfish. I think there are moments when it just Our life requires that from us to go inward and focus on ourselves. But what I loved is the idea of in preserving myself, I'm doing more service for the work that I'm here to do because it is a disservice for me to, you know, for an Audre Lorde to only write and theorize for a couple years because she wasn't able to take care of herself versus decades plus and the the dozens of works we've been able to get from her because she was able to really prioritize herself. And I think we, again, to the burnout, you know, sometimes people burn out so fast and you lose out on all that they could have been and could have contributed to the space. So it's, it is selfish in some ways, but it's also in service of the community too. 
Really is. And, and it, sometimes I like to think of it as when your car, hopefully we will not be on fossil fuels, but for now we're still filling up our car mm-hmm. with gas and the gas is pretty high as of this conversation. So y'all forgive me for even using this analogy, but it is like filling up your tank. You know, the car can only mm-hmm. take you so far before you have mm-hmm. to refill. And yes. if we do that for our vehicles, and not just the gas, the maintenance to your vehicle, if you own one. Mm-hmm. I know we probably have some folks that ride public transit. Shout out to you. Mm-hmm. If you I'm just using this as an example. But if you do right. uh, the car, the car example, whether you own one or not, it's just the example. You got to refuel. Mm-hmm. You got to change your oil. You got to get it tuned up every now and then. You know, you got to maintain the car so that the car is running optimally. And so, Rhea, yeah. is that a good? Oh, I love this analogy. And I, to take it even deeper, the longer you wait to maintain your car, the more expensive it becomes to maintain it. Come on. The more gas you are guzzling when you get to that final stretch versus they always tell you, you know, Fill your gas tank back up before it gets to like a quarter of a tank. That's right. You know, take it to be maintained before it's on its last leg, because by that point, now you got to fix everything and it's it's rusting fast. It's like so it's the self-preservation piece is don't wait until you're already depleted to then fill your gas tank back up. It's like preserve yourself along the way, preserve your energy along the way, take care of yourself along the way so that you never get to that burnt out period. Yeah, I can visualize it. And you're right. It is much more expensive. And we think about the wear and tear that we put on our physical bodies and also our minds and our spirit. Mm -hmm. If we don't replenish, Mm -hmm. then that wear and tear could manifest itself with some health challenges. Oh, yes, definitely. One million percent. I mean, you know, I'm not going to drag out the the car analogy too much deeper. But um, on that note, too, it's like, If you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not taking care of the vehicle, it will shut down on you at the worst possible time. You on the highway, like, please let me just get to insert gas station so that (laughs) I can. And it's like, no, sorry, shut down here because I told you back there that you was on E and you waited until the last possible moment. And our bodies do the same exact thing. It will shut us down in a heartbeat and say, no, I told you to rest. And now you're asking me, well, I just had this one thing that I want to do. Please just let me get to that finish line. And and then it hurts you even more because you weren't willing to just make the pauses when you were there. So it's so real. And um, it's disappointing to see it in people because then it's harder to come back from once you have those health complications. And we see black women, black men in general. Yes. Dying in their 40s and 50s. And I'm sure they were thinking, you know, once I achieve this accolade. Once I get to this place in my career, then I'll take a second to rest. And then you don't always get there because the lack of self-preservation along the way was stopping you from that. And I think that is so heartbreaking to see. And so even just like our beloved Bell Hooks passing away so young and it's just heartbreaking to know that like we could have had more time with her. Her loved ones could have had more time with her. And what are those stressors that that lead to black people feeling like they can't take a break? You know, we're so busy telling ourselves you got to work twice as hard to get half as far to be half as good, whatever the case may be. But then it's like, I would rather you be a little bit more mediocre or take some more breaks and live a long life. I want to see more of us in rocking chairs in our old age not giving everything of ourselves to these spaces that at the end of the day are going to eulogize us. Like we don't get nothing more than that. That is so powerful. What you just said, more of us in rocking chairs, meaning that we will Mm -hmm. live to that point. And especially black men, I mean, we're dipping back and forth. Self-care is for everybody. But Bri, I want to go back to a point. We know that black men die earlier than any other group here in the Mm -hmm. United States. And part of that is what you're laying out, the whole notion of some of it is toxic masculinity. And Mm -hmm. I don't mean that because, you know, the the, the alpha male, like, what you mean? Right, right, right. Strength (laughs) expresses itself in in a multitude of ways, but we just haven't been socialized in this culture that strength can manifest itself in different ways. And so we often think of just brute strength instead of strength of mind and body and spirit and strength of heart. All of those things make somebody strong. Maria, do you think that a lot of the ways that we have been socialized in this country, especially black people, doesn't lend itself to us really understanding that we deserve self-care? 
Oof, deservingness is such a big piece of it. I think a lot of times we have like, you know, there's such an interesting relationship between black people and labor in this country. And obviously Speak you know, on it. during slavery. Speak on it. Speak um, on it. It was a forced relationship, but in many ways I feel us forcing that again is this like it has to be hustle culture. We have to be grinding all the time. We've got to be doing something. We got to be productive in service of who or what? Like most of the time it's in service of somebody else's vision. And most of the time that somebody else is a very powerful, very wealthy white person who was not working as hard as the, you know, the, the people at the bottom of their totem pole. I just feel that in our DNA, that we feel like we have to work and prove that we're not lazy, prove that we are valuable to this country. And it's like our ancestors did all that for us. I like, know we that's right. Debt paid. It. Literally paid it. We literally built it. This country would not be. And I think sometimes people hear us say that and they're like, oh, that, that seems dramatic. But like this country would not be a global power. That's right. Would not have had as much economic military power if it did not have our free labor. So for us to then continue to give of ourselves so freely feels like we don't really know the shoulders that we stand on. Um, and so I definitely feel that I feel this this pull of black people feeling like they have to prove who we are and our value to people that are never going to really see that. And so I definitely want us to like release ourselves from the, the self-inflicted shackles of needing to be productive all the time and take more breaks. Um, but especially when it comes to our men, I feel like there is a, you know, toxic masculinity, it, it goes many ways. So it's not just a man is being toxically masculine towards someone else, but it's how we raise our boys too. And I think our boys are growing up to be men who feel like they have to be providers every second of every day and that they are not valuable to someone if they do not have, you know, certain success markers hit. And it's frustrating to see when I'm just like, I wish you felt like you could take a break. But when you take a moment to be still, then you got to ask yourself, who am I really? What is my worth? What is my value when it's not connected to providing for somebody? And I think that's a difficult pill for some people to swallow. And it's easier to just be working all the time. And so that is is so frustrating for me to see because I know that it's such a deeper conversation that we're not having but the Band-Aid fix is I'm going to just work, 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 work. I tell myself I'm going to work till I get my first million. Then you hit that or whatever, you know, whatever that marker is. And there's always the goalpost is always being moved. It's never enough. Yeah, that is so true. I don't think black people, the, the way that we've been socialized, the way that this society has been socialized to see us very much as the workhorses of mm -hmm. society. Mm -hmm. And I love your point about if you settle you got to then study your why. It makes you have to go and do some introspection, which can be very difficult to, to do. Like to rest with yourself is challenging for many of us. Having stillness yeah. is challenging. You know, we have this mindfulness movement now, which I believe mm -hmm. there's a, a something to mindfulness and it, it is really getting in tune. So whether it's mindfulness and meditation all of those things, though, do require you to be still and to center yourself. Some of us are not really comfortable with ourselves, Bria. Do you have any techniques or advice about how to help someone start to become comfortable with themselves? Mm. Mm. Now we're getting into the real stuff because, yes, a lot of people are like afraid of the conversations and the thoughts they have when there's no other noise. And so they drown that out with insert vice, whether that is numbing it with drugs yes. or whatever, whatever the case may be. Success can be that too, though. It's the idea that if I'm always working, I never have a second to really think of who I am. Honestly, I'm still on that journey myself, but therapy has been a big piece of it. And I want more black people going to therapy and really answering those questions of like, who am I when no one is watching? And do I like that person? And who do I want to be when no one is watching? And how, what does it take to get there? I think therapy is a really big part of it because if you're not ready to really be still with yourself, there's an accountability partner who is there to support you in it. Yeah. And so I think that is so, so important is like having an accountability partner who can ask you the hard questions. And even if you can't answer it in the session, 
you walk away from it like, I can't believe she just rocked my world like that. Like, why would she ask me that in that session? And you're thinking about that over the course. I think that's a big one for sure. I also think just like the little things, taking yourself on dates. I go out to eat by myself all the time. Do you? I can't. I I, I don't like, even though I am more of an introvert than people think I am because they see me on stages Mm -hmm. and they see me speaking. I'm really shy, Bria. And don't y'all laugh out there who know. I'm like, what? Shy. I I am. I am shy. You know, it's Mm -hmm. easier to speak to lots of people in an audience going Mm -hmm. back to that being with oneself. It's harder Mm -hmm. to be when you're one on one. That is an intimate experience. That's true. So I'm better with like speaking to bigger crowds. I don't think I give anybody that impression, though, but I am a shy person so you can go you can take yourself out to I have had to eat by myself but I don't necessarily like to eat by myself even if I'm not necessarily Mm -hmm. engaging in conversation deep conversation Mm -hmm. with the person just knowing somebody else is at the table with me yeah yeah that's real though I mean I think different people will have their own thing but for me I love it because it gives me, again, like a break from it. And I do see myself as someone who's very extroverted, but I still need to recharge. And it's nice to be able to do that and not feel like the pressure to continue a conversation or constantly be talking to someone. And I'll go to a restaurant and just bring a book. And it's like, I'm reading, but then I'll pause from reading to just be like, you know, eating and thinking to myself. And I, I enjoy the questions that come up for me during it. I also think some of my best ideas come from stillness. And I think other people have admitted to that. You know, people will say my best ideas come in the shower yes. or when I'm using the bathroom or when I'm on a walk. And I'm always like, well, if you opened yourself up to more still time, what is possible? What would you unlock in yourself if you just had a moment to be silent? You know, for me, religion is also a big part of it is like if i'm still god can speak to me yeah but even if you're not someone who's religious just seeing how you speak to yourself when no one is around and no one is listening can open up so many ideas of like wait this is what i really want to be doing when i'm not thinking about what makes my daddy proud my mom proud what my community wants of me like what do i enjoy you can't really answer those things and i think that's why a lot of people get to these midlife crises where they're like i've been living for so many other people Cause I've never taken the time to get to know myself and know what I want out of this life or what I want out of a legacy. So I think that's a big part of self-preservation is just like being still enough to hear your own inner voice and your gut instincts. We will have to take it because this culture mm-hmm. doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily provide for us collectively to feel like mm-hmm. we can center ourselves in a way that edifies Mm -hmm. now there is the eurocentric worldview and the afrocentric worldview and those worldviews are in conflict and i'm using Mm -hmm. these as two Mm -hmm. examples where the eurocentric view is more individualistic and not individualistic in let me center myself and find out who i am it's more individualistic in how much money can I make? What can I do? What how many cars mm-hmm. can I buy? How many clothes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the Afrocentric worldview is more collective oriented. Mm-hmm. And you find cultures where there are people of color, be they African, indigenous, Asian. Those cultures tend to be more collective centric. Mm-hmm. But the Eurocentric view certainly permeates the entire oh, yeah. world. Definitely. Oh, my God. I mean, I have two funny examples about this. One is I was living in Singapore for a year, actually. That was my How first was job that? out of college. It was beautiful. Oh, my gosh. Like one of the most beautiful countries I've been to. Love the experience. But it opened my mind to how many things I had normalized based on what life in the U.S. is like. And so in Singapore, it is very common for grown adults to still be living with their parents into their 30s. And to me, I feel like in our society, we see that as a negative marker of like, you're not doing right. You're not doing well. But there it was just like, why would you waste money paying rent to somebody else? That point. When you have family here that you can be saving, building, have community. Same with like elders in that community. It was just like the idea of putting your grandparents in a nursing home where they are not with family was just like, why? If they have living family, why are they living with other people? And that really opened my mind up to both collective communal like spaces and and thoughts, but also just all of the ways that we 
keep ourselves from getting care from others. Because sometimes you need community care, not self-care. That's right. And it's hard to do that when you feel isolated. You're somewhere in an apartment by yourself, afraid to reach out. And that's very different from being surrounded by family or friends or people who are constantly checking in on you. And that is just the culture is like, that's what we do. We check in on one another. Same with like black culture, African cultures, like the the idea of a village raising a child. Now it's like parents are doing everything by themselves with no real care. And we could have a whole conversation about how much we throw mothers to the wolves right after they bring a child into, into this world. And I just think that that was a moment where I was just like, why do we see it as like a negative if you decide to be a part of a community that is willing to care for you and you're caring for them too? It goes both ways. So that's one. But also CP time is, I think, another example of this because, you know, we joke about that. Oh, you know. Color people's time. Yes. Just for those who may be. Those who don't know. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Color people's time. But, you know, when you go to Black nations or even, you know, they'll say island time when you're in the Caribbean or whatever. And they'll remind you, it's just like, why are you rushing everywhere? Like, sit down, just pause for a second. And I was studying abroad somewhere and, you know, you go out to lunch and people are at lunch for two and three hours. In the U.S., it's like, okay, I'm going to fit you in for 45 minutes. And that's like the best I can give you. And it's like, but we're just getting into our conversation by then. Like, why are you rushing everywhere? And it's something that as a New Yorker, I'm just like, you know, I want to be moving fast and I feel like anxious when I'm not feeling like I'm efficient, but it's also like you, it's a trade-off, you know? So yes, I'm, I'm more efficient by moving so fast, but what am I losing by not getting to pause and really build with this person or build with myself? True that you're making me think about siestas. You know, there are cultures where mm-hmm. America, let's siesta again. Okay, we want to do something. <laughs> let's siesta at all before we can do it again. Right. But I'm all for a good siesta. Hey, that's real. You gotta you gotta take a pause. I love mm-hmm. that real what, what you're saying about that and, and how we assume that just because it's the way we do it in the United States of America, because of our hegemonic nature of this mm-hmm. country. Almost everything in the world is based on what the United States does, and that's mm-hmm. a power. So it's 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 not mm-hmm. just our economic power and our military power. It is also the power that we have to shape realities. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we shape realities in this country. We shape the macro realities and the micro realities. And right now mm-hmm. we're talking about more of the micro realities, but the notion that, as you just said, we got to rush everywhere. Or I can only have 15 minutes for a lunch because I got to get back to work. And if you're lucky enough, maybe you can get 45 minutes to an hour, but there are lots of people who work on jobs where they get maybe two 15 minute breaks and a 30 minute lunch. Right. And you eat lunch at your desk. Yeah, and you eat lunch at your desk and you are right. always feeling rushed because that is the indoctrination. That's the DNA of, of our culture. That's how we roll in the United States of America, only oh, to yeah. find that the science is saying it. And then your experience abroad and so many other people that I've talked to who've gone abroad for a long time, not just a, a vacation, but they really settled abroad for a little while. Bria, they share the same stories that you're sharing with us today, mm-hmm. that life is different. And when you talked about, you know, it being normal in Singapore for someone to still be living at home with their family or with their parents, even well into their 30s, that is frowned upon here as we were laying out. And don't let you be a man child right. and still in the house with your parents. Oh, Lord, you know, that's the worst thing in the right. world. But the flip side of that is no, it really is not, especially if you have the opportunity, as you said, to be in community with your family mm-hmm. in a deeper way. And two, economically, it's a tremendous help to not have to oh, just yeah. jump out there. You know, who said that you're grown at 18? That is just such a arbitrary right, exactly. number that somebody picked. It certainly wasn't the mama who said that because for mamas, <laughs> like I tell my son, you will never be growner than me. And that's what my mama told me, right? And that's true. Right. right. I'm the mama forever, forever, ever, <laughs> ever, ever. Yes, I'm the mama. So, yeah. so you know, just that part of our, the, at least some of the African holdovers to our culture of being black Americans is a beautiful thing. And I think that memory, that muscle memory, although it was disrupted and corrupted, mm-hmm. we, yeah, we can have a whole nother uh, show about that, how it was disrupted and corrupted. 
there are flashes of that Afrocentric worldview that is a part of who we are and the passing down from big mama to big mama to big mama and big daddy to big daddy helps us keep a little bit of that imprint. Not yes. enough, but we got a little bit of that imprint. Man, absolutely. Oh and I mean, we can feel that in ourselves, the like the war internally that's saying like, no, rest is OK. And, and it doesn't mean anything negative. And then the well, I got to be doing something. I got to be doing something. And that's why I love to follow Trisha of the Nat Ministry, because she talks about that. She feels like she was put on this earth to encourage black people to rest, to sit down somewhere and lay down and to really reconnect with who we were before colonization told us anything about ourselves and our productivity. And that's why I also say like, I got to a place where I realized my ancestors wildest dream was not for me to work myself into a grave. It was for me to rest in a very real way. Like I think of that, like my ancestors were enslaved in North Carolina and they were likely picking cotton and tobacco and other things of that nature, working six days a week and sun up to sundown. And they didn't dream of being on a Forbes list or of publishing X amount of books. They dreamt of rest, literally. Like I want to wake up and be able to choose what I do with my day, yes. to have control over what my children get to do with their day and to be able to have joy and have moments of just like reprieve. And so if we can tap into that, then we can reset what we see as success and say, look, it doesn't mean that I don't want to accomplish certain things in my career or for my community, but that's not going to come at the expense of my wellness because there is nothing more important than me being able to live this life the way that I want to live this life. And that autonomy is a big thing. So rest and autonomy go so hand in hand. They do. Autonomy, agency. As you were talking, the word agency was coming Mm -hmm. uh, to mind. Mm -hmm. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year? Their year. These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. You know, going back to the notion of what it means to be steel, I remember my grandmother and hopefully others who are joining us on this journey today on Hello Somebody can relate to this. So my grandmother, you know, most black grandmothers hail from the South because that is where the overwhelming majority of black Americans Mm -hmm. were because of enslavement. We know this. When I was growing up, my grandmother would force my siblings and I to sit down. And be still. Mm -hmm. And if it was thundering Mm -hmm. and lightning, she would say, don't move. God is doing his business. Turn off Mm -hmm. the TV. Turn off the radio. Don't Mm -hmm. move. God is doing his business. Bria, I'm really feeling this right now. I think in the spirit of this conversation, we should Mm -hmm. take a moment just to be still. Yes. Yes. I love that. 
Ooh, yeah, this country needs to be sat down. We need a grandmother to tell this whole country it's quiet time. Let's yes. play the silent game. Everybody sit down somewhere. Don't touch nothing. Don't touch nothing. Don't move. That, yeah, but it's COVID was something like that, Bria. I mean, I've heard people talk about COVID in that way mm-hmm. that it required us to slow down. Yes, I mean, and so I think that's a perfect example too of though what is so wrong about this country is like it was a slowdown. We were seeing so many people around us get sick, dealing with long COVID or dying. Yes. And then this country is turning around now and being like, y'all better get back to work immediately. Why y'all wanted to stay remote? We need y'all back in these offices. And people are really pushing back and saying like, have we not learned anything? We kept talking about this new normal that we wanted. And that was at the beginning of the pandemic. And I think people just got tired because they thought it was going to be, you know, and we're all exhausted from from COVID. But it doesn't change the fact that, like, we need the stillness. And even, you know, one thing that I saw was like some of the only positives come of COVID was like with humans being still, nature was able to thrive. That's right. Like dolphins were coming back to seas and, and, and parts of oceans that they hadn't been seen in in years and air was cleaning up and, and all of these things were happening because we had sat down for a second. And I also think of that as like, what would our relationship with this planet look like if humans were not so focused on being productive all the time that we are literally polluting and poisoning everything around us to do what we do. So again, that could be its own conversation, but I, I really do think the stillness showed us what is possible when we do it. But some people have just proven that their ability to profit off of productivity comes before our stillness. And they are willing to force us back into offices, force people back to unsustainable levels of work output, and people are pushing back. You know, people are unionizing in ways that like we have never seen before. The great resignation has been called. People are saying, I would rather quit and figure something out than to work a job that's going to send me into this early grave. Like, I think people are really putting their feet down as far as what they're not willing to deal with anymore. That is a beautiful thing in my mind. There's a spiritualist. One of my dear friends is a spiritualist and she has a saying Mm -hmm. and it goes something like, Chaos is the reordering of things. And Mm -hmm. so COVID Mm -hmm. was and still is very chaotic, is very Mm -hmm. painful, Mm -hmm. but things are being reordered and you were just laying it down. They're being reordered. And as much as the old order wants us to go back to normal, air quote, normal was never good. People are pushing back because things are being reordered. So it will never be like quite like it was before COVID ever in anything that we do. I mean, COVID is going to be with us like the flu forever. As you laid out, people are saying, oh, no, I'm not going back to work in this way. So you do see more hybrid models now within companies because people are pushing back and seeing I could be more productive if I don't have to literally get into a vehicle or go and walk to the yes. bus stop or the rapid or the train station to go, God knows how many minutes or hours away, depending on where you live. If you live in, in the heart of New York, you know, Manhattan, or you live in a Chicago or a ATL where traffic is very heavy to the extension mm-hmm. of taking years off your life, too. I mean, there are studies yes. out there about all the time that people spend in traffic and how it is bad for their health. So if we look at COVID, yes. the reorder, chaos, that touches my soul. Chaos is the reordering mm. of things. I love that quote so much. Oof. Yeah, and it's right deep. Down. It's deep. Chaos is the reordering of things. And so we need to reorder. So Rhea, as we help people reorder in things that look mm. very chaotic and not just look, they may, things may be chaotic. Can we give <laughs> right, people right. a few things that they can do to find some positive reordering in moments mm-hmm. they may find themselves in throughout their lives? Yes. I mean, one of the biggest things is the idea that we don't all work the same. Our brains don't operate the same. We're not all productive at the same times. And I think we're so stuck on this Monday through Friday, nine to five model that just doesn't work. Some people have their best thinking early in the morning, but you get into the evening and they're just like, 
okay, my brain is like done. It's overloaded. And some people work well in the evenings and it's like, I'm not a morning person. I I think that level of flexibility is so important to try and carve out for yourself. And I know that not everyone works a job where that is possible, but for those who are in conversations with their employers and are considering what their new normal will look like and to what you said, the hybrid models, I think really, again, getting some still moments with yourself and saying, when do I do my best work? How do I do my best work? What conditions do I need to be successful? And really positioning it to your teams in that way. And and for those who are listening, who are the employers, who are in the positions of power, really being open to those conversations too. And not feeling like everybody has to be online at the same exact time, doing work at the same exact time, but recognizing that there shouldn't be any idea of normal because no two people are the same. We don't operate the same way. And to expect everyone to move that way is to treat humans like machines. And that's just not what we are. I really think that we just need to be having collective conversations about, does it actually hurt me if we did a four-day work week? You know, I think people are considering that. They are. I think people are considering like non-financial forms of benefits of more PTO and and more parental leave. And, And all of those conversations I think are really important to have. And I think a lot of employees have previously felt like If they were going to bring it up, it was like, am I risking my job? But there is such a strength in numbers and being able to point towards the data and the research. And I'm even going to look up this study that you're mentioning, but there are so many studies about the effect of stress or certain work structures on us, both our wellness, but also on our productivity. And people have said, you know, countries that switch to a four day work week are not any less productive than countries that have a five day work week. Yes. And when you present that data and you can say the numbers are not lying and they are going against everything that you believe is true here, I think we can really get to something else. So that's one that's a more macro thing. I think I'd be remiss to not say unionize for those who are at jobs where you have multiple coworkers unionize because it is a lot easier to have these conversations when you're not going into the room by yourself and you have backups say we actually all have talked and said that we all want something different. And um, I think that everyone should be considering that, especially if you have a team of a significant size where you really do have the numbers. And so we're seeing journalists and political campaigns and all sorts of spaces who are unionizing and really able to, to get at the very least the compensation for all the hours they're putting in right now. But then, you know, really deciding like sometimes it's like I don't really want to be compensated for uh, the work I'm doing now, because I don't want to be doing the work I'm doing now. I, I really need a better work-life balance. And that is a lot easier to do if you've got backup. So I yeah. definitely recommend people considering unionizing and just building community with other people who are having these conversations. That's right. And let me let us shout out in this moment, since you brought up unionizing, shout out to mm-hmm. the Starbucks workers from Cleveland yes. to Buffalo to New York to all over, wherever y'all at. Shout out to you for standing up and bringing folks in the room with you and saying that you want to unionize. And absolutely shout out and shout up to our Amazon sisters and brothers and family and friends. Yes. Best summer yes. Alabama, baby. We see you. We see mm-hmm. you because they started it. Uh, Bria uh, Bessemer really uh, started this flow for workers at Amazon and just know that there's so many people with you. The fact that you mentioned that as a part of ultimate self-care, unionizing, people might not have oh, necessarily yeah. seen it that way. So I'm so glad you brought unionizing into this space. What else? Any any other recommendations for people? I'm thinking about you talked about therapy. Uh, sometimes therapy yes. is frowned upon depending on what culture you come from. And especially if you are a mm-hmm. man, I think from most cultures, because, again, the Eurocentric worldview has poisoned far too many cultures and movements. But therapy, I mean, it's nothing wrong yes. with it. Right. Nothing wrong with it. I think it's so important. And even before therapy, maybe another recommendation is, you know, there's the memes that go around. That's always check on your strong friend. Everybody is the strong friend that needs to be checked on. Come on. I think that is a big, big thing is like, I think we all believe that we are the only ones going through what we're going through and we don't take the time to really check in with our people about the layers of stress that they're dealing with. And so I believe that everyone should be doing their own individual work. But we also should be taking care of one another. And that goes back to the communal mindset of, yes, I'm going to be a little selfish and take care of myself, but I'm also going to look to the left and right of me and make sure that people that I love, the people that I work with, people I go to church with 
are also taking care of themselves and bring those conversations into there. Like, what does it mean for clergy from their pulpits to really be talking about self-care in these moments? What does it mean for educators to be taking time with their students? You know, and I think that's everybody is under so much pressure right now. Yes. And the, the second to ask, how are you? And really care about the answer and express the care about the answer. Like, no, really, how are you? Right. I think it's so big and it doesn't need to be that I'm texting you every single day or every single week, but that check-in periodically could mean so much for people. And I, I'm to get to a really um, sad point, we've seen people who we would never have expected who are dying by suicide and, and yes. Miss uh, Chesley Christ and, you know, so many visible people and all of, you know, people who are just saying, oh my gosh, but I just worked with that person. And I just collaborated with that person and never saw it coming mm-hmm. in. There's no blame, obviously, you know, people are going through what they're going through, but I also think of how we can learn from those moments and just check in with one another more and just make sure people don't feel alone in what they're navigating. So true. And other things that people can do, the Manny Petty is real, you know, yes. that's that's therapy, the masseuse is real. So mm-hmm. these are non-medical, but like spiritual kind of things that people can do to help them center themselves because it is the time you should be in your mind focusing mainly on you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and those things and taking vacations. And and the, yes. that's why I'm such a big proponent of people having a living wage and living a good life mm-hmm. because some of the remedies that we are discussing that cost money, people have to have disposable income to be able to partake in these Ooh, things. And so There's value, intrinsic value in every life. And I just Mm -hmm. don't believe that poor people should have to work their fingers to the bone every single flipping day of the week and have two and three jobs and never be able to enjoy the fruits of their labor because they're working so hard just to survive. Mm. There is something wrong with that. The whole notion of the working poor, those two words should not go together. That in and of itself is wrong. So advocacy for people to live a good life. And that is a multifaceted, multi-layer thing. It's a multi-layer reality. Living a good life doesn't mean just bringing in all the money. It means part of it means your spiritual well-being, your physical well-being, your mental well-being, your communal well-being, your relationship well-being all the way around. Mm-hmm. And my God, being able to afford to take a vacation every now and then, even if you can't go yes. to the most exotic place, but some people can't afford to go to the next state over. Right, right. And that's why we say bread and roses. You know, that's like where that comes Come from on. is, yes, we want to meet people's needs. People need to have housing. People need to have food on their table. People need to have clothes on their backs. But do we not deserve to, like, what are we doing it for if I can't smell the roses and enjoy this life too? And I, I just think of how many people literally are working 40 plus, 60 plus hours a week and never get something or or yeah. get criticized the moment they do something for themselves. Come on. Oh, well, if you really broke, why you got a Michael Kors bag? I can't have a purse. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't worked hard enough to have a purse. Really? That's what you're telling me? I haven't worked hard enough to go to Atlantic City? Like, come on. Like, what are we doing it for if not to be able to see all of these beautiful things? And I just think that we have, we have normalized, you know, get back to normalized. We have normalized the idea that you have to be a certain wealth bracket to enjoy beaches and is. beautiful sights and a matinee movie and going to see a Broadway show. And I just love all of the initiatives where people are saying like, no, you should be able to do that. It's something I love about my own parents too, because we grew up working class. And my mom, one thing about her, we going on a cruise. We going <laughs> on a cruise. And looking back, there were moments when I would ask like, you know, we could have done some other things with that money. But in a serious note, she wanted us to know that we deserved that. Like you deserve to be able to see these sites just as much as anybody else does. And us being a little tight this month does not mean that you don't deserve to see beautiful things, to eat beautiful things, to enjoy things that make you happy. And for some of us, that's travel. For you, that might be, again, having a a monthly massage or going to the movies every week. It doesn't have to be too crazy, but it does require that disposable income. and, And so often people are spending all of their money on rent. That's right. And childcare that when it's time for them to do something for themselves, they've got cents, coins, spare change to do that. And it's yeah. not right. And, you know, we deserve to have the luxuries, you know. 
You deserve nice things. And all of that feeds into your ability to be a good mom if you're a mom, to be a good human being. If, if you know, you don't have to have children to be a good dad if you're a dad, to be a good man yes. or woman, to be a good family member. All of those things are interconnected. We always talk about intersectionality, yeah. but what, and when it comes to self-care, it's not just about racial or gender or sexual orientation or religion intersectionality in the way that we think about it in a social construct. It is also the intersectionality of yourself with yourself yeah. in relation yeah. to all mm -hmm. of those titles and all of the things that you have to do. And men, we're talking to you too. Now, sisters, we lifting you up, but we talking about the brothers too. Because if people yeah. are good with themselves, baby, they will be better with mm -hmm. the world. It reminds me of a scripture in the Christian Bible where Jesus, you know, the question was, what is the greatest commandment? You know, they were trying to trip them up. Them, them, them fancy titled folks was trying to trip Jesus up. And he said to love the Lord thy God with all their heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And I might be adding a little on to that. So forgive the turnerism in there. <laughs> but to love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, the key word is you can't love your neighbor if Ooh. you don't love yourself. You see how Jesus flipped that Ooh, thing? I think they need to hear that one again. Wait a second. Ooh. Come on. You can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. You see how Jesus flipped that thing mm. on him? It's like, y'all y'all got to wake up real early to get it off on Jesus. He let them know. Oh, yeah. oh no. To love the Lord that God. Because he was talking to them hoity-toity religious folks. Them Pharisees and Sadducees. Mm -hmm. They thought they had them. They thought they had them cornered. He oh, said, yeah. oh, no, baby. <laughs> to love the Lord that God with all their heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Mm. And to love thy neighbor. As thyself. Yes. Woo, Ooh, baby, yes. that's it. And to even deepen that, if we loved our neighbor as much as we loved ourselves, how much of our social ills would go away? Like that's how much of, you know, we have mothers who are dealing with postpartum stress. And if they were being cared for, would their children be better cared yes. for? We have domestic violence victims who are empathizing with their abusers because they're like, well, I know that this person is economically strapped right now. And so they're just stressed and they're taking it out on me. But like, what if we cared for one another as, and, and loved ourselves and loved our neighbors in a real way? And then that addressed homelessness and that addressed theft and that addressed gun violence. That's it. But we don't want to think of it like that. We just want to outsource it to police and tell them to deal with it after it's already happened. But I really think of like, if we really loved our neighbor and really loved ourselves, like there are just so many things that would become non-factors in our society. And we've seen that in other societies. We've seen that in, in lots of European societies where the taxes are high, but the quality of life is also high. That's it. And so there are just certain things that are just like mind blowing to them. Mass shootings. Why would someone do that? Mm -hmm. I can't even fathom why someone is that angry at the world and at their community. And and there's just such a lack of love in our politics. There's a lack of love in how we treat one another. It is. And it really shows in everything. So, I mean, I think for some people that feels like, oh, you know, she's dragging it. But I really like if we really loved one another for real, for real, we for would real, live in such a safer community. We would be happier. Again, we'd work better with one another. We'd enjoy what we do. Like everything would be different. Harmony. Um, and maybe some people, you know, maybe Jeff Bezos would be a little less rich. Hello. Like, I'm willing to do that. Hello. Ha harmonious. Now you're hitting on another thing, Bria. So we got to have you back. You can't have harmony and justice in a world where you got so few people who have so much. Right. So few who have so much and so many who have too little that is out of harmony. That's not how it's supposed to go. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot and every dribble is immediately undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year? their year.
These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Some of the things that we named, they cost money. Can we talk a little bit about self-care ideas for people who can't afford to spend any money at this particular stage in their lives. We want them right. to, we want them to get there where they can spend a whole lot. But for now, if they're really tight on money, what are some of the things mm. that they could do for some me time? My favorite is getting out in nature. I think being surrounded by nature is so grounding, especially if you are willing like take the shoes off, put your feet on some grass like for real, like it is so grounding to be surrounded by the fresh air by real greenery, not some plastic shrubs in a corner, like real greenery. I think that's a big one. It's like find your nearest park, your nearest hiking trail and like getting to that space and going on, even if it's like a 15 minute walk or something, it is so grounding and calming to be surrounded. And I think being surrounded, again, to to go into spirituality, being surrounded by something that feels bigger than me, something that feels like awe-inspiring. And it's just like, my God created this and also created me. And I deserve to exist in peace and in harmony and in joy and in love. I think it can really bring up all of those feelings for people. So that is like my biggest, biggest one. But also I think everybody has different things. Some people are like, I'm in nature and I'm sneezing a lot and there's bugs. I'm, that's not really my thing. But like finding, again, the stillness is like finding that moment. Um, and meditation can be a beautiful way to tap into stillness of just like closing your eyes. And I think sometimes we make it more difficult than it is just closing your eyes and just letting thoughts come and leave and just seeing what sticks. And that will also open up what you enjoy. If what you enjoy is asking the nearest family member or friend to you to give you a little shoulder rub because you carry your stress in your shoulders. If that is hugs, you know, I think that's the biggest thing that I noticed during COVID is like, I miss hugging I did people. too. And like real hugs, like yeah, when you hold deep, it for five, deep 10 hug. seconds. At a yes. deep, yeah, like whatever that is, sometimes your self-care will require other people. And that's why we get into the communal. That is so and, true. And being willing to ask people for what you need. So those are two for me. I'm curious, what, what's yours though? That doesn't count, cost money. So, because I, I love myself a good massage. I'm going to put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> Meditation, definitely, certainly mm-hmm. because of COVID, got deeper into that reading a scripture, you know, so whatever spiritual tradition you follow, if you follow one, for me, reading a scripture or listening to a good song. Oh my God, your playlist, you know, and just get in the living room or wherever, whatever space you have and just go to town listening to your favorite tunes and just, yeah, get, get into it that way. I I I love good music, getting lost, poetry, you know, Mm. if you got a good poet, a good read, you were talking about that when you go to eat a meal, if you're by yourself, you bring a good book and people can be Mm -hmm. at home and make themselves a nice meal. It could be simple and just cuddle up with a good book. Yes. Oh my God. Those things. I know our producer, she loves to lather the lotion on her feet. Yes. That's what she said. And all in a scalp. Before bed, she's like, Oh, yes, a light oil yes. massage that'll put me to sleep too. So. I miss my mother, you know, when Sim mentioned that I, I was thinking about my mom, you know, when she used to plait that hair growing up and putting that oil, yes. uh, putting yes. that, that oil in between the parts. I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. that felt so good. It's like, You don't want them to stop, don't stop, right? right. Just do it again, do it again, mama, do it again. <laughs> in a nap, 
Naps nap, are free. Yes, naps are free. When you get a free moment, I mean, for the parents, that might be a little bit more difficult. Yeah. But like when you get that random 30 minute nap or hour nap, when you weren't planning on it, you wake up feeling like a it's new the best. person. I love best that. Day. Also, I had a friend who her thing was if she had a bunch of calls back to back to back for work, she'd schedule in like a five minute dance break and literally like play her jam, like her song, whatever that song is. And just like, dance like nobody's watching in the comfort of your home and even that can just be like getting your heartbeat going and you're listening to your song and you're being silly you're laughing a good laugh yes when i laugh and my belly hurts i'm like oh yeah it's the best i needed that so bad or laugh until you cry because that's a good laugh right there baby (laughs) you can't (laughs) stop you just can't stop you rolling so yeah watching comedy we didn't think about that but yeah if there's a favorite show you have even if it's not comedy but whatever takes you to a happy place that lifts you that is edifying you should do that but part of being able to do that Bria we got to go back to how we started is you got to know Mm -hmm. your why you got to get with yourself you got to know what brings you joy and if that which brings you joy doesn't impede on anybody else I'm sorry we got to put that out there Bria because some folks yeah Uh like what brings you joy shouldn't bring anybody else pain Mm -hmm. but if what brings you joy Doesn't, doesn't harm anybody else but it only edifies you baby you need to do that thing mm-hmm. this was absolutely fantastic i want to go back how we started with the one and only audra lord a feminist and a civil rights leader she said self-care is not self-indulgence it is self-preservation come on let's mm-hmm. self-preserve baby Let's do that. Bria, where can people find you, darling? If they looking for you, where can they find you? Yes. Well, if you're looking, you can find me for sure on Instagram. I'm at freckled wild black. Freckled wild black. Okay. Remind people, black people got freckles. Black folks got freckles. Um, (laughs) Yes, they do. I'm on Twitter, but I'm private there, you know, at Bria underscore Baker. I like to get my real hot takes there, but you know, you can find me, you can find me. And then my website, BriaBaker.com. But I'm I'm looking forward to connecting to people. And one of the conversations I would point people to is if you're coming into this one and you didn't hear the first one, you can really find me in our first conversation on Hello Somebody. You better say that. Hello, somebody, because everybody is somebody. Bria Baker, nothing but love for you, baby. Nothing but love for you. Coming. The pain is numbing. Try to shoot for the stars if you gon' aim for something. Embrace the love for your brother and sister. Unity's the missing brush. We need to puzzle this picture. Let's paint it up, frame it up for the world to see. Hang the hatred up. Enough is enough is enough. Making changes on us. In Turner, her voice is the truth. Her wise words inspire the youth to keep their eyes on the roof. It's the end. Never give up. Keep conquering goals. To the eye, intelligence, silver, wisdom is gold. Back to the end, now is your time. Stay firm, don't fold. To the A, all you need is the three bones. That's what Granny said. Now I'ma make sure these words from Granny spread. For all of here, just give her your ear. She can take you to the promised land, I swear. World peace is what they fear. From Queens to Cleveland, Ohio, we here. Famous. Hello Somebody is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, 
Real sweat, blood, and tears. Real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.